Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, I am really excited about this weekend. I've been praying and thinking about it, and I just feel like that this is going to be one awesome time. That a lot of people's lives are going to be changed. I was five minutes late getting here this morning. I apologize. I normally don't do that, but somebody else's ox was in the ditch, and I helped them to get out of the ditch, and it made me a little late. And, uh, but it, when I walked in, I tell you what, it was powerful, the praise and worship. This was awesome. You know, if you're wondering about school, you ought to come just for the praise and worship. That would change your life. Aren't Charlie and Jill doing a great job? Thank you, Jesus. This is their first year to really be full-time in the school with us, and they have made a huge difference. They're impacting people's lives. And I tell you, praise and worship is such an important part of your relationship with God. And you just don't get people that, that really worship God very often. And so I've really appreciated Charlie and Jill. And, and, and as they get uh, into our third-year classes next year, it's just going to get better and better and better. Amen. Real quickly, before I forget this, let me mention I had a note here from Karen Bean. This is the lady right here at the back. Stand up and wave your hand. Well, she's already standing up. Wave your hand. This is Karen Bean. She's been a friend of mine for nearly 30 years, her and her husband, and her husband died a few years ago, and now she's up here working with us in our television department. And we started interviewing people way back when we did Nikki Oshinsky's video. Did anybody ever see Nikki Oshinsky's testimony? And it has changed people. We have had people saved and healed and delivered. And so now we have five videos on that healing journeys. And then we have a second healing journeys. And we have destiny stories that talk about people that God has changed their life. And these TV things are changing people. They really inspire people. And so we've started just uh, interviewing people when they come to our meetings and finding out your story. How has the Word of God changed your life? What has it done in your life? And if the Lord has impacted you through this ministry and done something, Karen and her crew are going to be interviewing people this week. So this is the lady right here, and make sure that you talk to her. And if we have a lot of people that would like to be interviewed, we'll uh, have to schedule it. But I'd really encourage you to do that. And uh, because your testimony, the Bible says you overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, and your testimony can change people. You know, we've got a couple in South Africa who listened to the ministry, got the teachings, and it blessed them. But the thing that really flipped their switch was when they watched our, our uh, healing journeys, they saw Nikki Oshinsky's testimony, and they saw that, and they said, we could do that. And it inspired them. And they went out and they have now seen, I forget the figures, but in the last year or two, they have seen over 500 people born again, 750 people healed. I mean, miraculous healings. They have taught other people how to do it. And one of our employees has actually moved to Durban, South Africa, to be a part of what they're doing and help them reap the harvest. And I mean, it is just miraculous what is happening through these testimonies. So we'd like you to be a part of that. It would be a blessing. Let's see, something else I was going to mention right before we go. Oh, I was going to talk about the people that are watching on our uh, Internet feed. As I was praying this morning to come in, I really believe God is going to change people's lives through this Internet. And uh, so I just want to encourage those of you watching by the Internet uh, to open up your heart because even though you're somewhere else, please don't be distracted. Pay attention. I believe God's going to change some people's lives through this. Amen? So... 
Anyway, there's so much that I'd love to share with you. I know many of you are here. You came looking and questioning God about your future and what you should be doing. And I believe that there's going to be some awesome things happen this week. But I want to get into the Word uh, this morning. We will be sharing things with you. We've Just real quickly let me say that God has... Uh, this school is just beginning to really explode. It seems like it's now uh, picking up momentum. It's like a snowball. It's just... Increasing, And last year we grew by 45%. This year we're on a pace to be four times, the registrations for September are four times ahead of what they were last year. Now I don't know that we'll grow by four times 45%. That would be huge, but we are growing. And because of this, the Lord has uh, led us to get a new place. We got 157 acres that is about 20 miles from here up in the mountains a little bit. And uh, it's beautiful, and we're going to be building an auditorium. We'll see 2,500 people and facilities for the school so that we could accommodate up to 2,500 or 3,000 people. It's going to take about three years to get this project done. And in the meantime, this place is getting maxed out, and the church that meets in here has actually bought the facility next door, and they've already started construction. And by summer, they should have their 1,100-seat auditorium finished. And so we'll be using the facility next door, maximizing this facility, and we're going to be packed out for the next year or two. But those are good problems. And good, good things are happening. And so anyway, we will be talking more about the school and, and talking specifics in this lunch this afternoon. We, we'll take uh, questions, and if you have something that you want to answer, uh, maybe we'll be able to deal with that. But this school is based on the Word of God. And that's what this is all about. And so primarily, I just want to share some things with you from the Word of God. And I pray that your heart is open to receive. And I believe God's going to speak some things to you. Real quickly, let me just say this. That I was talking with a good friend of mine, Bob Yandy, in this last week. And we, I don't know how we got on it, but we got to discussing when we get interviewed on television and radio things. You know, the question that is always asked is, what is God doing in the world today? And Bob and I both said, that is the dumbest question that could possibly be answered, asked. And it's impossible to answer for a number of things. One thing, you know, we only see a piece of what God is doing. None of us have the whole counsel of God and know everything that God is doing in the earth today. But even beyond that, one of the things that's wrong with that is it's implying that God is the one that controls how He's moving in the earth today, and it's kind of up to God. And so what is the new thing that God is doing? You will hear people talk about, you know, what wave? There's a coming a new wave. God is going to start revealing grace. God's going to start revealing His healing power. God is going to do this. God is going to do that. I want you to know that God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what God is doing in the earth today is coming to seek and to save that which is lost. It's never changed. He hasn't got any new plan. He's not reacting to all of the things that are going on. And the main point I want to make through this is that it's really inaccurate to ask what is God doing because God is wanting to do it all. God doesn't move in waves. Now this is going to really challenge somebody's theology because if you go back and study church history you will find that there was the healing move and then there was the charismatic move and there was the faith move and there was all of these different things and people go back and characterize all of these things that God is doing. But what it is, some people just get hold of a little bit of what God is doing and they go out and begin to preach their revelation and then God flows through them to the degree that He can 
But God never wanted to just move in healing for one decade and then move in faith for one decade and things like this. God is wanting His whole counsel. He is wanting to manifest Himself. But the problem is that He has to flow through people. And this whole question about what is God doing today is missing the point that God is doing everything He can today. It's really not up to God. It's up to people who allow God to flow through Him. You are the one that determines how much God flows in your life and what is going on in your life. And again, this, this goes against some of the real popular things today, such as praying for a revival. And people will sit there and say, you know, we just need to pray and plead with God to pour out His power and we need a fresh move of God. Well, there is no doubt that we need a, a manifestation of God's power. We need more people submitting to God. No argument there. But it is not up to God whether revival comes or not. God poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2.38 This promise is unto you and unto your children, unto them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God didn't pour out His Spirit and then take it back and get upset because people weren't responding. And so He's standing up there with His arms folded saying, No, until there's a hundred million people praying, I'm not going to pour out My Spirit and we've got to plead with Him more. No, God's like this. He's trying. To, he's trying. He's, his, the Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, it's either 1 or 2 Chronicles, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show Himself strong in behalf of those who are perfect in His sight. The Lord is looking. He's going throughout the earth. He's doing as much as we will let Him do. It's not God who's moving in ways. It's not God who's holding back, and He needs to be pled with more for revival. God is looking for people that He can flow through. Let me show you a verse over here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. All of this is just on the way to where I want to go today. I may not get past this because this is really a good point, but tonight for, for sure we will. But in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 it says, Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, Man, that's quite a statement. Exceeding abundantly. If you study this out in the Greek, really this is, it's an overstatement. It's a superlative, like above, 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 beyond what we can ask or think. There's just no limit to what God can do unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. This word according to means to the degree that the power works in us. Or to in proportion to the power that is working in us. And this is a new um, way of looking at things from most people's perspective. Most people are praying and saying, Oh God, heal this person. God wants this person healed more than you want them healed. You don't have to beg and plead with God to heal people. God is working and healing everybody that He possibly can through the body of Christ. People don't get healed by prayer. People get healed by somebody who has their authority and knows what they do. And they stand there and they take the power of God and they release the power of God. People don't get saved by you praying for them. People will say, I've been praying for this person for 20 years. The Bible says that you're born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. You are born again by incorruptible seed. In the same way that a child has to be conceived by a seed being planted, people don't get born again through prayer any more than children come through prayer. 
Now, I pray with people. I just prayed with somebody recently that was unable to have children. As a matter of fact, you know, I mentioned Nikki Oshinsky, and 10 years ago is when she got healed, and it was a great, miraculous healing. If you haven't seen our DVD, you need to get that. I've never watched that DVD that I hadn't cried. It just blesses me. And she was miraculously healed, less than a week to live. Couldn't lift her hand, couldn't lift... She couldn't eat. Uh, she, was, she was just about dead. It was miraculous. It was powerful. And I had the privilege of being able to pray with her and see her heal. She just called me Monday and she said, Guess what, Andrew? She says, I just went to the doctor and I'm pregnant. And she had been trying to get pregnant and couldn't conceive. The doctors told her it was impossible to conceive. And so she came to Jamie in November and asked Jamie to pray with her. I was praying with other people, so she came up and asked Jamie to pray with her. I got to pray with her for her physical healing. Ten years later, Jamie prayed with her, and she called and told us that she's pregnant, and she didn't take any of the fertility stuff. She decided if God could heal her body, He could heal her body. And she's now pregnant. And I just prayed with the person last week that they could become pregnant. But then after I prayed with them, I said, this isn't going to be a virgin birth. you got a part to play, amen. <laughs> you go do your part, amen. It's, you don't get pregnant by prayer. Now, you can get healed of something that's wrong with you so that you can conceive, but you do not get pregnant by prayer. Everybody follow that? And I'm not going to teach on this. This is not part of our curriculum. We expect you to know something. That's why you have to have at least a high school education to come here. Amen. So I'm not going to explain all of this. But in the same way, you don't get saved by prayer. Now, prayer can soften your heart. Prayer can send a laborer across your path. Prayer can cause the Holy Spirit to bring back to your remembrance something that God spoke to you. But the way you get born again is by the incorruptible seed of God's Word coming to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How can they believe except somebody preach? How can they preach except they be sent? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so there are people who are praying, Oh God, do a work, send revival, turn this nation around. And they think it's going to be through prayer. That's not how God moves. It's according to the power that works in you. God has to flow through a person. And this is one of the things that has just made the body of Christ ineffective. We've put a huge importance on prayer and begging and pleading with God to pour out His power. God is begging and pleading with us to go out and release His power and to tell somebody the truth and to take our authority. And so we're in our prayer closet saying, oh, God, move. And God's saying, you move. Amen. These signs will follow you. You go out and do something. It is totally backwards. We got spiritual dyslexia. We see things backwards. We think, oh, God, you've got to move. What is God doing in the earth today? Everything that we will let him do. God wants to turn this world around. But he has to flow through people. He can do exceeding abundantly, but it's according to, proportional to, the power that's working in us. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the thing that God is trying to do today is to get people to open up. And I say this with humility. I say it with thankfulness. But you know what? God has done a miracle in this ministry, in this Bible school. And one of the things that's happening is this is a place that God is flowing through and miracles are happening and things are beginning to happen. It's, it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Did you know that our Bible college students that have been coming here, 
have always loved God. And we've had some great people. And we've had some good people leading praise and worship. Wayne's wife has led praise and worship here and stuff. But Charlie and Jill have come in here and they have just invested themselves. And now they've been ministering for a little over a year in the school. And you can see the difference in the praise and worship, in the level of the way that the praise and worship is touching people. And it's not that God didn't want to do this before. It's that, you know what? He flows through people. You have to have somebody come in and start speaking and, in, and encouraging you and showing you the power of praise and worship. And you teach on this and you spend time in the school ministering on it. And praise God, you start reaping the results. This Bible school teaches the Word of God and we are speaking what God has done, who we are, showing people that you've already got it in Christ and revealing these things and all of a sudden miracles start happening. It is not a secret. We haven't had a bunch of prayer warriors here praying and asking God to pour out His Spirit. It is not a unique move of the Holy Spirit. You know what it is? It's the Word of God is opening up a way for what's true in the spiritual realm to start flowing into the physical realm because we're speaking and revealing the Word of God. It's really that simple. You know, I don't want to get weird or spooky on you. I don't want you to think this is sci-fi. But there is an unseen world. There are spiritual things going on. You know, we sang that song about that He is here. The same power that raised Christ from the grave is in us today. That He's here. The truth is, He's always here. The truth is, He's everywhere. The truth is that every time people get together in the name of the Lord, if there's two or three gathered in His name, He's always there. But He isn't always manifest and He isn't always moving and He's not always changing people's hearts because there's no power of faith working on the inside of them. And you know what's happened here? I don't, I don't know if this helps you or not, but it's like there's this unseen world that has all of this power and joy and peace and victory. Everything that Jesus has produced has already been provided. It's not only in this room, but it's inside of every one of us. But it's got to have a way to get from the spiritual into the physical. And you know how that happens primarily? Through the truths of the Word of God, you know the truth, and the truth makes you free. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as you speak the truths of the Word of God, not religious doctrine, but you speak the truth of God's Word, it like opens up a... I don't know what the right word is, but it opens up a portal. It opens up an avenue, a conduit, that God can take the things that are already true in the spiritual world and begin to manifest them in the physical world. And it's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not... Like we, we aren't just wondering about how is God doing this. It's very logical how this happens. You know the truth and the truth makes you free. And then once you're free, only a free person can set another person free. But sad to say, the, the vast majority of the body of Christ today is operating in religion. And man, we could spend months trying to explain that statement and and give illustrations and examples of what I'm talking about. If you've watched my television program just in the last month or so, I've been teaching on prayer. Prayer is one of the most religious things. People are praying wrong. People are releasing the power of the devil actually through their prayers, the way they're praying about, oh God, just break this person. Oh God, take everything away. God's not going to break you. You have to humble yourself. If God does it to you, it would be humiliation. 
not humility. Humility has to be a voluntary thing. God's not going to break you and send troubles on you and put cancer on you to teach you something, and yet there's millions of Christians praying that way and actually releasing the power of the devil through their words. And it's religious stuff like this that is keeping the things that God wants to do and the revival and the power that God is, is longing to see released. It's all of our religious traditions and bondages that are keeping God's power from operating. Another huge one is the fact that people think that I've got to be worthy. And if I've got anything wrong in my life, God can't use me. God's never had anybody qualified working for Him yet. You aren't going to be the first one. And you know what? It is not your fact that you aren't perfect. It's the fact that you don't know the grace of God and the fact that God's uh, ability and power is unconditional and He's wanting to move. All you've got to do is believe and receive. You do have to believe. You do have to let this power work on the inside of you. But it is not your sin or your failure or the fact that you aren't the sharpest knife in the drawer that's keeping God from using you. It's our ignorance. We perish because of a lack of knowledge. And so you know what God is doing here? He's, we are speaking forth truths that are removing these obstacles and allowing God to flow. And praise God, we're seeing some awesome, awesome things happen. You know, just yesterday we met with uh, Joseph and Eva back there, and I don't know, we met with uh, two others, a couple that were going to Argentina. They're going to uh, Poland, and a couple that's going to, where else did we talk about? Mexico. And we've got graduates going out. And doing these things. Jay back there, they're eventually moving to, um, where is it, Brazil? Moving to Brazil. And we've got uh, students here that are going back to Massachusetts and starting a school there. And you know what? The truths that are, we are coming together, we're hearing these things. This power of God is being released into people's lives. And it's literally going around the world and changing people's lives. And the reason I'm saying all of this is to say that there are people, probably people right here that came to these campus days saying, God, what do you have for me? God, what do you want to do? And we, most of us are kind of passive. Like, oh God, would you please touch my life? Would you please move? Would you please do something in my life? And we're just waiting on God. If you are born again, God has already touched your life. God has already placed Himself on the inside of you. And all you've got to do is get this mind renewed and out of the way and then you start speaking God's Word. And if you want revival, you go cause revival. Instead of praying and saying, Oh God, please revive people. He said, Go into whatever town you go into. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. You go out and see a few people raised from the dead and you'll have all the revival you can handle. Amen. You go back to your church and instead of worrying about, man, are they, you know, I'm not sure that they'll receive this. And so we water it down and are apologetic about speaking the truth because we might offend somebody. Somebody might not understand. You don't need to go out with an attitude that you try and cause problems. You ought to try and present the gospel as clearly as you possibly can and simply and explain things. But I'm saying it will offend people. And if we would quit being worried about what people have to say and just proclaim the truth, go back and speak the truth. And you know what? Probably you will get kicked out of your church. But you'll see people's lives change. And then those people will, will go out and do other things. There will be opposition. Man, if, if criticism would kill you, I'd be dead. I've got lots of blogs written about me. Lots of people hate me. I'm the da most dangerous man in America I've read on the Internet. 
And there are people that just hate what I'm doing. But you know what? There's people all over the world that are just being transformed by the power of God. And you can't let the criticisms and the rejection of other people slow down what God is doing in your heart. And if you would just get the Word of God, renew your mind, and begin to start speaking, I guarantee you God would flow through you. See, these are some of the things that you get in this Bible school. Is you find out that the problem isn't God. This school is not about how to get God to do something. This whole school is about telling you what God has already done and getting you to believe it and understand that you've already been equipped. You already have the same power that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. And we say it so many different ways and so often and through so many different uh, instructors here that you know what? You just get it after a while. And you begin to believe that you know what? God lives on the inside of me and I can do all things through Christ. And it changes you. And I really believe that God is raising up this Bible college to get these truths out, to change people's paradigm. I had one of my students come up and say, that's not a paradigm shift, that's a paracorder shift. Amen. <laughs> We're having major change in the way people think. And you know what? People are getting changed. And I believe that through this Bible college, we are going to send people out all around the world. And I really believe that through this place, God is going to impact the whole body of Christ and begin to start showing people these truths. And what it's going to do is allow God to a greater degree to do what He's always wanted to do. And we're trying to take the limits off of God and not limit God and confine Him to things. And I tell you, it's just setting people free. It's exciting what God's doing. And I know that many of you have come this week to kind of check it out and think about, man, is this something God would want me to do? Why not? Amen. In our meetings, we have people come all the time and they say, you know, I really want to come to school. I really want to be a part of this. But I'm just not sure it's God. And so I've tried to talk to them and explain things and ask what their problem is. And, you know, it's just endless, the excuses and the different things. But it, we had one woman say, but I've got dogs. I've got two dogs. <laughs> What would I do with my dogs? And our director at that time, he says, you know, they allow dogs in Colorado. Bring them. I was just a lot more blunt. I said, kill them. I said, who cares, man? Are you going to, if God's speaking to you, are you going to let your dogs or your cats keep you from doing what God wants them to do? And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't want to get, be thrown in jail for animal cruelty or something. But I'm saying that, why would you let your pets get in the way? And we've had people come and say, but I, I've never been more than 20 miles from my home before. I remember Dottie Hammond, who came from a holler in West Virginia. She had never been out of her holler before. I don't know how old Dottie is. I'd be afraid to say. I might get in trouble, but I, she's at least as old as I am. And when she came here to school, she was probably in her 50s or something and had never been out of her holler. She had never been married. She was, she was a uh, country girl from West Virginia, brought us a five-gallon jar of pickled venison that she made herself. And she had never been more than 20 miles from her home. She drove a U-Haul truck all the way across the country and came here and was petrified. 
And you know what? Her life just got transformed. And I don't know how many years now she's been in Kenya. Does anybody know? Maybe seven years she's been in Kenya or whatever. And she has an orphanage. She's adopted a number of kids. She's going out and she's found one lady who uh, the grass on her hut had died. And because of that, her roof was leaking. And for $6, Dottie went and resodded the roof on her little grass hut. This woman broke down and cried. Her husband had died through AIDS. Some of her kids had died through AIDS. She had nothing. She didn't even have enough money to fix her roof. And Dottie went over and just fixed her roof for her for six dollars $6 and something and helped her. And the woman broke down and cried and said, nobody has ever cared for me. Nobody has ever done anything for me in my life. And she said, oh, you're wrong. There's somebody that's loved you every minute of your life. And she told her about Jesus and got this woman born again. And through that, she's got a ministry to these widows. Of, and she is changing the world and doing these awesome things. A little woman that, I mean, nobody would look at her and think that, you know, God was going to use her in a special way. And she's over there changing the lives of people because she just got touched by the Word of God. And you know what? Some people think, well, I wonder why God did that with her. God will do that with any one of us in here that would make ourselves available and take the Word of God and stir ourselves up and start saying, God, I'm going to go. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for people. Like he told Isaiah, who will go for me? Who can I send? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. That's all you got to do. And so people give all of these reasons like, I've never left my home before. I've never done all this. And finally, I've just cut through the chase. I can stop a lot of discussion by just talking to people. And I say, well, I understand what you say. I mean, I understand that you really desire to come to Bible college, but maybe that's the devil that put this desire in your heart. Maybe the devil wants you to sit under the Word four hours a day, five days a week for two years because uh, that would be really good to help hinder you and destroy your life. Maybe he's going to use that to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what? As I start talking that way, people look at me and say, well, man, that's not the devil, is it? If you got a desire to come to Bible college, where do you think that came from? It didn't come from the devil, and it didn't come from you. This is not a carnal thing. I guarantee you, it's not the flesh that makes you want to uproot your life and move someplace and go through all of the things of moving and, and the extra effort. You know, the cost of living. It's not exceedingly high in Colorado Springs, but it's higher than a lot of places. And so there's an effort there. Many of you have to lose your jobs. You have to leave your family. You have to leave sometimes kids or grandkids and on and on. And there's just so much involved. Why in the world would you want to do something like this and come to Bible college? If you've got the desire, I guarantee you, it didn't come from the devil. That is just as simple as I can make it. Psalms chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that God will give you whatever you want. It, because you know what? People who aren't delighting themselves in the Lord sometimes want a different wife or a different husband. Or they covet a house or a car and all of these kind of things. That's not what the Lord is saying. What He's saying is when you put God first, when you truly delight yourself, and we could spend a lot of time talking about what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. But when your delight is in the Lord, when you love God more than anything else, God supernaturally changes the desires of your heart. 
He puts His desires in your heart. And this is how you are led by God. I, I talked to two people last week that they have been going in a certain direction in their life and everything's been wonderful and all of a sudden they just have lost their joy. They've lost their desire. All of a sudden the things that used to thrill them don't thrill them anymore. And they were talking to me and I said, you know what, it sounds like God is stirring you up for a change. One of the ways that God spoke to me when I was pastoring churches, I mean, I, for a while I was pastoring uh, this church in Seagaville, Texas, and everybody told me to leave Seagaville, Texas. Why would anybody stay in Seagaville, Texas? The people didn't want to hear what I had to say. They stayed away from my meetings by the droves. And people told me to leave Seagaville, Texas, but I love Seagaville, Texas. I was committed to it. I prayed over it. I did everything I could. I stayed there for two years. And one day I was down at the church building and I was just praying. And I mean, it's like somebody flipped a switch on the inside of me. And I lost my love for Seagaville, Texas. I looked out the window and thought, this is the dippiest place on the face of the earth. What am I doing here? I looked at this building. It was a mess. And I thought, I didn't like anything about it. And prior to that time, I just loved it. I was so excited when we went there. It was the first time I ever really got to minister in, in that way. And I was so excited. And it's just like somebody flipped a switch and I lost my love for it. And so I spent about two or three hours praying in tongues and saying, God, what's going on? Why, why aren't I concerned about these people? Why all of a sudden don't, don't I care about the people the way I did two hours ago? And the Lord finally got it through my lightning fast mind that, you know what, it was time for us to leave. And I prayed about it, and I was convinced that God told us to leave. He even told me that we were going to be moving on the 1st of November. And so I went home to tell Jamie and wondering about how this was going to be received. And when I got home, there was a for sale sign in our front yard. And I went up to Jamie and I said, what's the for sale sign? She said, the landlord came over and said, she's selling the house. We got to move by the 1st of November. And I said, you know what? I think that's God. Amen. And then I fell in love with the Childers, Texas. I had two or three places to go. I went and ministered and all of a sudden, man, I fell in love with Childers, Texas. And I stayed there for two years and pastored. This is where we saw our first... Uh, blind eye open and started seeing miracles and different things and man God used that. that's where I started our radio ministry and I just loved it I thought I'd be there forever and all of a sudden one day it's like somebody flipped a switch and you know what I actually had gone to a place called Pritchett Colorado and held a meeting and I mean Pritchett Colorado only had 144 people in the whole town and the next nearest town was 30 miles away. It was, in, it was in Colorado. I've always believed to live in Colorado. But when I went to Pritchett, I said, God, you know this is not what I meant when I said Colorado. <laughs> I mean, it's flat. There's not a tree in the county that hasn't been planted in somebody's yard. It's just prairie. It's flat. And you can't even see the mountains from Pritchett, Colorado. I said, God, this is not funny. This is not what I meant. And so when we drove through Pritchett, Colorado, I remember with Don and Wendy Crow, we drove through and we were looking at this and said, who would live in a place like this? I said, could you imagine living here? And I started saying, Don, I believe thus saith the Lord that God is calling you to Pritchett, that you've got an anointing. God wants you in Pritchett. It wasn't two months until I was living there. I held a meeting there, and that's the first place we saw a man raised from the dead. And boy, people got turned on to the Word, and they said, you can't come in here and tell us that everything we believed was wrong and, see, and demonstrate the power of God and then just leave us. 
we got to have our minds renewed. We need help. They said, you got to stay. And I said, not me. I said, I'm not living in Pritchett, Colorado. And you know what? Before I got out of the city limits, I knew I was coming back. And over the next week or so, God just turned my heart, and I loved Bridget, Colorado. It was awesome. I fell in love with that place. It's one of the best places I ever lived. This is how God leads you. It's through the desires in your heart. I fell in love with that place, and so I followed the desires of my heart. And then there came a time that that was time to leave there. And you know, I can say that every time God led me, one of the ways He does it is you delight yourself in the Lord. And that's a big if. If you aren't delighting yourself in the Lord, you cannot go by the desires of your heart. You could desire dope. You can desire to go get drunk. You could desire all kinds of things. But if you are truly delighting yourself in the Lord, you know one of the ways that God leads you? He just puts His desires in your heart. He puts a desire in your heart. I remember that I had ministered in Costa Rica one time in a Bible school, and there was like 400 people in this Bible school, and it was awesome. We saw miracles happen, great things happen, and they said, man, we want you to come back. So I scheduled to go back the next year. I already had my tickets bought. A pastor was going with me. And um, anyway, about a week or two before I left to go on that trip, I was praying. I was moving my mother up here from Texas in a U-Haul truck. 17 hours I drove. And as I was driving this truck, I just started praying about going back to Costa Rica. And I had had a wonderful time there, and I was really excited, thinking this will be a great time to go back and see people's lives change. And as I got to driving that truck, all of a sudden, I lost all desire to go to Costa Rica. I not only didn't want to go there, I really wanted not to go there. I just all of a sudden hated it. And I thought, this is really strange. And so I prayed in tongues for 17 hours driving that truck And the more I prayed and the more I got in the presence of God, the less I wanted to go to Costa Rica. And so I called up the people, and it was only a couple of weeks out. I said, I'm not coming. They said, you can't do this. We've advertised. Everybody's expecting. We've got people coming. I said, I'm not coming. And they said, why? What's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I just don't want to go. And you know what? That did not go over well. I had people criticize me. They, they, to this day, I've never been back to Costa Rica. They didn't want me back. They said, well, you'll never be invited back here. I didn't know what to tell them other than I just didn't want to go. So I didn't go. And you know, it turned out that that plane that I was scheduled on took off from Mexico City and crashed and killed 169 people. Every person on board died. And you know how God spoke to me? He changed my desires. Sometimes we're waiting on an audible voice. Oh God, what do you want me to do? Well, the first thing is, make sure God is first in your life. Put God first. And if you are truly seeking God and saying, God, I want whatever you want for me, and my heart is pure, I want, I really take all limits off of you. Everything is on the table. You can do anything. I'll go anywhere, do anything. And when your heart is pure and you're saying, God, what do you want? You know what? God will speak to you primarily. The number one way that He leads you is through the desires of your heart. And there are some of you that the reason you're here is because you know what? You've got a desire. You've thought about Bible college. You've thought about doing something. And you have a desire, but you aren't sure. And you know, I was really headed someplace else this morning, but <laughs> I think this is God speaking to you, that you know what? This is the way that God leads you. God's the one that puts these desires in your heart. 
But then our brain gets in the way after we've listened to our heart. You know, if I could just sit down with you and say, if you didn't have to worry about finances, if you didn't have to worry about your job, I've had people come up and say, I'm only two or three ways years away from my pension and retirement, and I could get ten times as much if I just wait two or three more years. Man, praise God that Moses didn't have something like that that made him put God... You know, if God put the desire in your heart now, follow God now, and don't lean under your own understanding. People hear from God, they, they have a direction... And then they sit down and start thinking about, well, now, what about this? This isn't really the best time to be selling my house. I wouldn't make as much money if I wait until the market recovers. And then what about my pension? And what about retirement? And what about my kids? And what about this? And, and what about my job? How, you know, how am I going to find a job out here? And what's going to happen? And we get our brain in gear and start leaning under our own understanding. God leads you through your heart. The direction of God is not illogical. It's not senseless. You don't have to turn your brain off. But God will lead you through your heart, and most of the time it does not make sense to the natural mind. The Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's just another way of saying that you've got, to, you've got to feel this and perceive it in your heart. You can't always reason everything out. Jamie and I, if we would have sat down, if you would have looked at us and have thought about, now, have you got all of this planned? How are you going to do this and this and this and this? You know what? Everything we've done has been illogical. It, in the natural, it doesn't look like it can work. And yet God has blessed us and we are seeing the fruit and people's lives are being changed. And if I would have let my brain get in the way, I never would have done what God wanted me to do. You know, right now, we, we have to do something to accommodate the growth and the people that want to come and get their lives changed and receive from the Lord. And we talked about doing a million other things and breaking the school into first and second and third year, going into different situations and and separating the ministry from the school and doing all kinds of things. And uh, it just wasn't what was in my heart. I don't believe that's the way that God wanted us to do it. And so we, we decided we were going to keep everything together. To do that, we had to have a new facility. And, and we couldn't think or find any facility, one place that would work. And so we'd probably have to build. We started looking $20 million to buy a flat piece of ground with nothing on it out there on western Kansas. It was so far east of Colorado Springs that from my house it would have been an hour and a half drive. I'd have probably had to move. And on and on we went. 20 or $30 million for a flat piece of ground and we just prayed and then all of a sudden God gives us this piece of ground for $4 million that a year ago was selling for $10 million. It has a $3 million lodge on it. And outbuildings and barns and all of this stuff. 157 acres. We couldn't have bought... Half of that for $20 million here in the Springs. God just dumped it in our lap. Somebody asked Jamie and said, do you think this is God? And she says, it's a no-brainer. We'd have had to backslide on God to keep from doing this. And so anyway, we've done it. We were moved, and, but you know, the next step is, I've got to have around 35 to $40 million to be able to build the facilities out there. And you know what? If I let my brain get in the way, I could really talk myself out of this. 
There's a, you know, there's a million reasons that, oh, you can't do this. But you know what? I just know God. God has led me so many times in my life. He's never led me wrong. When we moved into this building, did you know that actually moving into this building and getting it finished debt-free was a greater percentage of increase than us moving where we are now out there? This is a less of a step than when we moved into this building and, and finished it out debt-free. And I've seen God come through. I've done things that in the natural were impossible. When we moved to this building, our payments had been $2,900 a month and we had already had that building paid off. So actually we had no payments per month and our utilities were about $800 a month. When we moved into this, what's, what were the payments on this building, David? Are you listening? What are the payments on this building? Yeah, we, we bought the first section of this was $3.2 million, and then we finished out $3.2 million of renovation debt-free, but we did have a mortgage. What, what is it? 26000 a month. So we moved from nothing per month to $26,000 per month, and the utilities are what, 1200 or, or uh, 8000 a month? Or what the utilities on this building is. Did you know moving from where we were to here was just like on the other side of the universe? And yet God had just rung my bell and said, you're thinking too small. You limit me by the way you think. And man, out of everything we had, this just was, this felt right in my heart. And so I went with my heart, not with my head. And you know what? It's turned out that this has been such a blessing. We, I don't even know. We're guessing that this building's worth like $12, $15 million. We have about $2 million something, just over $2 million that we owe on it. We could pay it off right now if we wanted to, but we're taking all of this money to use for this next step. And you know what? It's been no problem. It's been a no-brainer. We have accumulated at least $10 million or $12 million worth of equity in eight, let's say we moved in here in 2004, so in six years. It's been, a, it's been an awesome thing, and yet it made no sense. We just went with what God put in our heart. We're doing the same thing now, and you hide and watch. Some of you may be overwhelmed because these sounds like big figures, but you hide and watch, and it will come to pass, and it'll be awesome, and someday we'll be having Charlie and Jill leading worship at our campus days and our new facility and all of these things happening. And it will happen. And some of you think, oh man, I'd like that. Well, I'm telling you how you get it. You don't pray and say, oh God, do something for me. God's done everything that He ever needs to do. You just have to get some power working on the inside of you. And it's a definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Some of you want different results, but you're afraid to step out and do anything different. Man, get out of the boat. The only way you're going to walk on the water is if you get out of the boat and risk sinking. You're going to have to do something. I believe God is stirring you up and, and the Lord wants you to take a step of faith and if you would act on what's in your heart and just for a moment, let what's in your heart guide you instead of your reasoning and all of the reasons why you can't do what you would really love to do. The only thing you really have to analyze is, are you really putting God first? If you're putting God first, then you can trust the desires that He puts in your heart. If you aren't seeking God, well, then I would be the first one to tell you, don't do what you just want to do. But if you are really putting God first, 
Listen to your heart. Let God speak to you. And I tell you what, God is going to stir you up. And God wants to do more through you than what you want Him to do through you. You will be absolutely amazed at what God can do in your life. But it's according to the power that works in you. We don't need to pray and beg God to do something. God, in a sense, is begging you. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. God is beseeching you, begging you today to respond and let God do something in your life. Get out of the boat. Do something different. And if you believe God, I guarantee you, it'd change your life. And that's what this school is all about. It takes a lot of faith for people to uproot their life, to come here and do the things that they're doing. But man, people come in one way and leave another way. Because God's already done it all and they just get their mind renewed. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, tonight, I'll start ministering on what I was going to minister this morning. And it'll be good. Delron's going to be up next, I think, right? And Delron is a blessing. You know, God has given us quality people. Delron used to run Lassie Bible School, Lester Summerall's Bible School, for how many years? 25 years. And now he travels and ministers all over the world, but we are privileged to have him as one of our instructors in the Bible School. And he'll be up next. We'll take a, what is it, 10-minute? 20-minute break, and we'll be back. You're dismissed.